You're listening to audio from The Village Church. If you'd like to check out more resources or give to our ministry, please visit us at thevillagechurch.net. Good morning, church. My name is John Lowe, and I had the honor of serving on the pastor search team at Highland Village First Baptist Church, now called The Village Church. And it was through much prayer and God's providence and providence alone that uh, we offered Matt Chandler the job of position, uh, position of pastor, and he graciously accepted, and we're thankful, really thankful for that. I'm thankful for that. But the best thing we got in the whole deal was Lauren. <laughs> right? Right, Matt? Well, that, that's right. Well, Matt preached his first sermon as our pastor on December the 8th, 2002. I can't remember the exact subject matter, but I know it was the gospel. And he's been faithful to preach the gospel to us for over 20 years. Thank God for that. Thank God for that. Our scripture reading this morning is from Revelation 7, verses 9 through 17. After this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes, and peoples, and languages, standing before the throne, and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne, and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these clothed in white robes, and from where have they come? And I said to him, Sir, you know, And he said to me, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them and nor any scorching heat. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This is the word of the Lord. Hey, good morning, guys. Great to see you. Isn't this fun? This is crazy fun today to celebrate Matt and Lauren 20 years. Matt, I've got an idea. Okay, some of the videos said, congratulations on 20 years. Here's to 20 more. Okay. At your 40th, here's the deal. Let's, you and Lauren, and Jannie and me, celebrate by going on a Colorado elk hunt. (laughs) Deal? Oh, yeah. Okay, done. That's going to be fun. I wonder if we're going to have hunting in the new earth. Uh, Maybe it'll be paintball. 
Maybe it'll tickle. I wonder what it sounds like when an elk giggles. We have so much to look forward to. <laughs> We've only begun to see what the Lord can do. Oh, gosh. It is a privilege to be your friend. Thank you for giving me that privilege. Here's a verse that reminds me of you, Matt. Philemon, verse 7. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Listening to the singing moments ago, I was thinking, these are refreshed hearts. This is what refreshed hearts sound like. Wonderful. In a world like this, given the appalling evil that's inside every one of us, this should not be happening. It does happen. It keeps happening. It will keep on happening. It will only get better because Jesus is here. And we just read this wonderful hope from the Revelation of John chapter 7. And here in the book of Romans, chapter 15, verse 13, that vision of the future, it's as if our risen Lord, if this is the plane of history, here we are stretching out into the future, he sort of lifts it up and something of that eternal joy sort of slides back into our experience right here, right now, in this world, against all the odds. Romans 15, 13 paints the picture of, of that experience and that joy that comes from the God of hope. Romans 15, 13, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Man. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That is not idealism. I hate idealism. For a defeated man, it only mocks me. That is a promise of grace for the undeserving. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God has called us to stand out in our generation as a community of hope in a world of rage. And he is with you here at the Village Church in this very way, and it's obvious. Now, let's think context. We're in chapter 15. There are 16 chapters in the book of Romans. And right after this verse, he goes into personal greetings and ministry updates and personal news. So this verse brings to a conclusion all the teaching of the book of Romans. And a theologian friend of mine in Nashville calls Romans the gorilla of the New Testament. This is theology on steroids. This is robust, 
this is meaty and weighty and so forth. And verse 13 of chapter 15, after all that teaching, this now shows us our takeaway, our practical takeaway from all that great gospel theology. It's all about hope. There is nothing in Romans that is petty and small. It is profound. In fact, if you do a a count of the different words in the book of Romans and just peel away filler words like and, the, you know words like that are going to pop up hundreds and hundreds of times. The most frequently used word in Romans is the word God appearing 153 times. So Paul invites us to sit down and stop and think and stare at this gospel theology and rediscover the grandeur of who God is and how Almighty God above helps people like us down here, real time. That's the whole point of all that lofty theology in Romans chapter 1, verse 1, up through chapter 15, verse 12. This is not about abstract concepts for theoreticians. Romans is in the Bible to bring together and to lift up a community of hope here in this world of frustration, exhaustion, futility, disappointment, broken promises, betrayal, and rage. Here's what's happening, not only in Romans, but throughout the Bible from cover to cover. Gospel doctrine, the word doctrine just means teaching. Gospel doctrine, it's about, what is the gospel? The gospel is good news for bad people through the finished work of Christ on the cross and the endless power of the Holy Spirit received with the empty hands of faith. There's the gospel right there. And that, that truth, the Holy Spirit comes, energizes that, that doctrine, that truth, that gospel, so that it comes through to us And not just to one person over here or one person over there, but upon all of us together and brings us together as a community of hope. The word you in this verse, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. It's a plural you. May he fill all y'all with joy and peace in believing. This is a shared hope. A community like that in a world like this is perennially relevant and attractive. I, you know, I I live in the same America you do. I love my country. But the words that I hear to describe our country in these days, words like angry, divided, broken, hyper-partisan, and so forth, we could take all those words pile on more and more, and Romans 15, 13 is perfect for us in these times when our earthly hopes grow pale and thin and fade away. Our gospel hope stands out all the more brightly. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Why did he say that? Because we're always living in a dark age. He said as well, You are the light of the world. Why did he say that? Because Christ the light shines into our darkness and to our own surprise, we become radiant 
We are filled with hope in this world. And our Lord above does not need favorable trends to get traction in this world below. He's doing really well. He's having a good day right now. He has all authority in heaven and on earth. Everything is going his way. He's got this. I love what we just sang. Even when the enemy means it for evil, he, he turns it for our good. He flips it. Isn't it great not to have the devil's job in this universe? What a, what a loser. You know, he's coming up with, you know, he thinks he's brilliant. And Jesus just goes, bends it right around. I'm so glad to belong to Jesus. Right here, right now. Do you know what 2023 is in proper Christian categories? This is not 2023, the year of disaster. This is 2023, the year of grace. Every year in human history is a year of grace. The Lord has not abandoned us. You know the one thing we are so not God-forsaken? He's with us. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So let's just think it through asking three simple questions. I heard my dad preach on this very verse 48 years ago. May 9th, 1975, here in Dallas when I graduated from Dallas Seminary. He had a great three-point outline, and I'm stealing his outline today. Thank you, Dad. <laughs> One, who God is. Two, what God does. Three, how God does it. It's all right here. One, who God is. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. Paul takes all that theological vision of chapters 1 through 15 and sums it up in four words, the God of hope. What has he told us about God already? Chapter 4. He gives life to the dead and calls into existence things that do not exist. <laughs> What's going to stop him? Chapter 6, the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We do not have to qualify for this. We only have to disqualify for it to get it. If you've lived a really exemplary life and you're proud of it, and you're not like, you know, okay, you're not perfect, but you've never sunk that low, and you look at those people over there, I'm so sorry. You have completely missed it. You are, your problem is you just don't know who God is. You don't know who you are. You are not a Christian. But if you're devastated and you're living with a lot of regret by now, and, 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 and you've unleashed things you can't even reel in, and you're so brokenhearted and sorry, <laughs> welcome to Jesus. The free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Chapter 8. Chapter 8 of Romans. I mean, come on. 
He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies, your mortal bodies, through his spirit who dwells in you. The gospel is, is not just about saving your soul. The gospel includes salvation for your body, the humblest part of you. Nobody else included, I mean, uh, the Stoic philosophers, for example, Epictetus, famous passage in Epictetus about Paul's time, he said, they, they believed that we have minds and souls and spirits that connect with the gods above, and we have these icky, yucky bodies, ooh, that sort of connect with the animals below, and our whole problem is we sort of pander to this animalian body, and really, if we would just pay attention and sort of rise above all that, then we would be better human beings. That was their gospel. The human body was an embarrassment. It was a problem. You got to get over somehow. That's not the Christian gospel. Jesus rose from the dead. And he will give life to your mortal body. You will rise again. You will get your body back better than ever. Yeah. Hey, we are going to have a blast. I just remember this song we used to sing during the Jesus movement. Sort of the bluesy number. My Lord is God and King of all. And when we get to heaven, man, we're going to have a ball. <laughs> you know, in heaven, you're going to have your eye color and your fingerprints and your skin color and, and, your, and your, your, your IQ will be like 10,000. <laughs> and you'll have an amazing sense of humor and you'll be like athletically astounding. <laughs> you will be incapable of injury, pain, or even fatigue. And you'll be among that great company of all ethnicities and all stories and all national backgrounds and so forth. And everyone will like you. Sign me up. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> if God is for us, chapter 8 again, who is against us? I love the defiance of that verse. Hey, if God is for us, who can be against us? We're going to get through this. Chapter 8 again. Will he not graciously give us all things? If Jesus gave us his own son, is he going to start nickel and diming us now? Really? If he gave us his own son, gave him up for us all, will he not freely give us all things? Right now, every single one of us feels incomplete in some way. We've got some things in our lives we're thankful for, but in every life there's something we had kind of hoped for, and it's not going to happen, not in this life. But he who gave, who, he who did not withhold his only son, but gave him up for us all, will he not also with him freely give us all things? You will spend eternity complete, whole, lacking 
nothing. Here's another one. It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? When we walk from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, we walk out of an accusing environment into a non-accusing environment where we can rethink our lives at a deep level and put out on the table before the Lord and before other trusted Christian friends what's really going on and how we're not doing well. And we can talk about that and pray about that together. Because God gives us, through the finished work of Christ on the cross, a non-accusing environment where troubled people come, sinners come, and rethink everything deeply. And then finally, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? (laughs) He's holding us in his hand right now. And, you know, this is one of the reasons why we suffer and why we're hammered, why we get body slammed and why we're buffeted in this world. He is making us living proof that nothing will ever separate us from his love. What you hate about your life has a purpose. What you hate about your life is prophetic Declaring before people, declaring before all this world, declaring before angels and demons that the love of Christ will never let us go. And what we want to do is take this wonderful teaching of Romans and just dare to believe it and give the devil a really bad day rejoicing in the Lord and have fun doing it. Yeah. So that feeling inside us, I mean, God is a morally serious person, right? God is holy. How could someone like that stomach me? The gospel talks to us about the grace and mercy and love of God for the undeserving. The greatest glory of God is not that he hung the stars in space. The greatest glory of God is that the one who hung the stars in space cares about you and about me. And guys, he's on to us. He knows everything. And he's still with us. What else can it mean that but, but he's the God of hope? That's, what, that's the whole point, isn't it? The Bible also calls him the God of peace, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort, the God of all grace, and so forth. I mean, the Bible is so... uh, I I would think, okay, when God is nice to me, that's like a 5149 calculation because he's having a good day. No, this is who God is at the deepest substratum of his being. He is the God of hope for the undeserving. We never know what tomorrow brings. We always know who God is. Here's how big he is. This has to be so, or else he isn't the God of hope. But here's how big the God of hope is. He said to Abraham, after giving those wonderful gospel promises to Abraham, he said, 
I am God Almighty. Because in God's mind, that settles it. Let's let that declaration settle it in our own minds. He said, I am God Almighty. Marcus Dodds, the commentator, unpacks what God meant when he said that. I am Almighty God, able to fulfill your highest hopes and accomplish for you the brightest ideal that my words ever set before you. There is no need to pare my promises down until they square with human probabilities. No need to relinquish one hope my promises have begotten. No need to adopt some interpretation of my promises which may make them seem easier to fulfill. No need to strive to fulfill these promises in any second-rate way. All possibility lies in this. I am Almighty God. And we've moved all our chips over onto that square. We're sticking everything on the God of hope. He's not pushing against any door that won't open. He's not working on plan B. Nothing can ever defeat or even slow down his purpose of grace for everyone who receives his son with the empty hands of faith. Let's announce that to ourselves every day. It's who he is, always will be, cannot not be the God of hope. Secondly, what God does. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Huh. He fills us with all joy and peace, all 31 flavors. Apparently he's got different nuances, different kinds for different moments and situations so that we abound in hope. Now, obviously, I mean, the Bible is the most realistic and serious book in all the world. And Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn. And half the Psalms are laments offered up in worship. So this is not promising us a zippity-doo-dah joyride. The word abound means that with all our losses and heartaches and tears, to our own surprise, we keep bouncing back. We might lie there for a while and bleed. But amazingly, we get back up again. We say, I have no idea why that just happened. Where was the Lord in that? That was horrible. I don't know, but he knows. Okay. What's next? Let's get going. We go do the next right thing. So we keep on. And then we keep on. And we keep on. And we keep on. And after we've done that, we keep on. And I'm struck by this bold wording. All joy and peace. So that we abound in hope. This is, this is describing time-tested, real-life battle-proven, apostolic, biblical, non-weird Christianity. And God has given this sacred gift to millions of people before us 
who have faced, as we do, unbelievable odds. For example, Corey Ten Boom, who suffered in that Nazi concentration camp, the precious Dutch lady, she came out of it saying this, there is no pit so deep, but Christ is deeper still. This world will break our hearts. But our joy and peace will dance on the grave of everything that breaks our hearts. And not because, not because we gain superhuman strength and gain some sort of final control over everything that's against us, but because the risen Jesus gets the final say about this whole world and all of human history and your life and my life, and he actually likes us. So I'm looking at this verse, and, and I'm, I'm thinking, I, something inside me would say, you know, all joy and peace, abounding in hope, I'm all for it, but, you know, just personally, I'm not like that. <laughs> Who of us is like this? We're talking about miracle here. This is not what matters most in your existence is not who you are, but who God is for you and in you. And he is the God of hope. He's not going to change. If you don't mind letting him be the God of hope to you, then what will happen, and to your own amazement, is that in imperfect, sinful, flawed, foolish me, and if some of that's in you, then we will be astounded to see all joy and peace and abounding in hope pop up in our lives along the way. And we'll think of Romans 15 and 13 and we'll think, wow, maybe I'm really saved. (laughs) I remember John Yates, precious Anglican brother out in Washington, D.C. The denomination that he used to belong to stole their historic church from them, took all the money, they walked out, they had nothing, and he, he rejoiced in the Lord, started all over again, planted a new church. You know what he said to me? Huh, maybe I'm a real Christian after all. <laughs> yeah. I was just thinking when we were singing, y'all are mighty saints. And you don't, you don't even know it. The, the real saints don't know it. That's who you are. You have been gathered up into the arms of Christ. (laughs) We came to church today. (laughs) How did that happen? Jesus is with you, never to leave. And we just, we're, we're just crazy enough to believe it and rejoice in it. I read this fascinating book by an Italian archaeologist about ancient Rome where these Christians lived. And he said in his book, on any given day, you could stand on the sidewalk in ancient Rome. You know, we we see, we think of Rome through Hollywood eyes. It It was horrible. And he said, you could stand on the sidewalk of ancient Rome on any given day, and there's a good chance you could hear off in the distance somewhere in the city the rumble of one of those wretched apartment buildings where everybody lived, except the elite. One of those wretched apartment buildings crumbling, falling to pieces under the shoddy construction. They had no codes. 
And those wretched buildings, that's where the Christians lived. That's where everybody lived. And they lived in constant fear of their, of their house falling down on their heads. And Paul did not give them building codes. He gave them the gospel. Because, guys, when our world falls apart, we will still rejoice in hope by the power of the gospel for the glory of God. The risen Jesus right now, whatever you're facing, he's not tired, and he's not tired of you. And you can come and bring to him your heartache 19, 20, 40, 50 times a day, and he welcomes you. He's not an introvert like me. He's, he's a super extrovert and loves it when high-maintenance sinners come with yet more need. He sees us coming, and he doesn't run. He welcomes us. He lights up, makes his day. So many times in the day, here's what in believing can look like. Lord, help me. Lord, give me strength. Lord, I'm yours. I give my life to Christ. Just little utterances like that. That's in believing, in believing, the gospel, helping you take the next step all the way. Finally, briefly, how does this actually happen? How he does it, point three. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. There's our part in believing and his part by the power of the Holy Spirit. And in believing is just defying everything that we would otherwise believe about ourselves and treating the promises of God's grace as real to us. God is not aloof. He is present. He is not passive. He is involved. He is not sleeping. He is alert. And he is not a liar. He would never lie to you. Believe him and take your next step. And how, how we do that is by the power of the Holy Spirit. I wish we had a time to have a mic up here and so many of us could tell powerful stories about how the Holy Spirit of God has helped us and met us and given us strength and courage and resilience to keep going against the odds. It would be glorious to hear those stories. You are living proof of the power of the Holy Spirit. He is with you. And we flourish as we empty up our needs, empty up our hands before him and give him our needs, not our strengths. We emphatically reject every false hope. We put our hopes entirely on what only God can do. Let me invite the band to come up. In just a minute, we're going to sing our fool heads off. But on our way there, I want to tell you a true story. 1851. Um, a ship with a group of British missionaries sailed down to the very southernmost tip of South America, Tierra del Fuego, not far from Antarctica. There was another ship that was supposed to rendezvous with them there and resupply them. That ship was delayed. And while they waited, those missionaries all died of cold and starvation. 
When the ship finally arrived, they found that Richard Williams, one of them, had written out a journal. Here are two entries from his journal. Poor and weak though we are, our abode is a very Bethel to our souls, and God, we feel and know, is here. And then, several entries later, his last entry said this, Should anything prevent my ever adding to this, let all my loved ones at home rest assured that I was happy beyond description the night I wrote these lines and would not have changed places with anyone alive. That's Christianity. That's what the gospel does. That's who you are. The Lord is with you. The God of hope. You are living proof that Jesus has come to town and he's not leaving anytime soon. God be with you. Bless you.